This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Flat Out Farno, you're Laddie H, host of Flat Out Pride on your Free FM dial. If you're a Waikato local with an idea for your own show, Free FM would love to hear from you. Check out our website, freefm.org.nz, or find Free FM on Facebook and get in touch. I talk about Elsa being queer so much, and people are getting really frustrated, but I just can't let it go. My name is Alex Willix-Payne, I use they-them pronouns, and this is Stride with Pride. Hello, and welcome back to Stride with Pride. Today, we have something that I'm very excited to talk about. Reading Elsa's character from Frozen and Frozen 2 through a queer lens. And as I am going to be studying media, I think it's only appropriate that I begin my journey here by describing Elsa's journey through herself. Today I will be analysing Elsa's journey of self-discovery over both Frozen and Frozen 2, and how that relates to queer life itself. And as a warning, um, so the... Big Mouse Doesn't Get Us, uh, I am singing the quotes that I'm using in this episode, so um, just just bear that in mind. Also, this is not the be-all and end-all interpretation, this is simply reading media through queer theory. So I'll just talk a little bit about queer theory now, because it's sort of important for this discussion. So queer theory in media studies is a way of interpreting media through different lenses. And so there's different types of theories. So there's feminist theory, there's post-colonial theory. So that's about how colonization impacts the media we have today. And so queer theory focuses on queer interpretations of media and how characters subvert or reinforce heteronormativity and cisnormativity in their lives and their experiences. And Elsa very much fits into this category here. I just want to briefly talk about what heteronormativity and cisnormativity is. So this is sort of the idea that heterosexuality and being cis, cisgender, is seen as kind of the basic, the standard for what you are, and kind of above everything else, sort of like in, in the way that the patriarchy is, puts men above any other gender. And so the point of queer theory is to see the characters and how they subvert these norms. Heteronormativity and cisnormativity impact our lives in such pervasive ways that we might not even be aware of. So a lot of stereotypes to do with, obviously, queer people come from this, and the, the idea that certain acts are unclean or unsanitary comes from this. But it's also in the way that the nuclear family is idealized and in the way that dressing incorrectly for your gender, very big air quotes around incorrectly, is, is a bad thing and you should never do it. Um, and so these ideas are really pervasive, especially within Western society. And they're really harmful. So that's super fun and fresh. I sort of always loved the movie Frozen as uh, a piece of animation, a piece of musical theatre. And I especially loved all the theories that it sparked for the wider Disney universe within the movies, like it being connected to Tangled and all of those. I loved all the theories to do with that, but I loved it on its own as a statement against the perceived Disney truth that love always comes in the form of romance, having the sisters be the true love there, even though there's things like Lilo and Stitch that 
you know, subvert that. But in a mainstream Disney princess movie, this was sort of a first. Except Mulan, and uh, I may talk about that a different time, and I love Mulan with my entire heart. It is a great movie for projecting your queer self onto. But over the years, between the release of Frozen 1 and Frozen 2, something happened. I realized I was queer and came out as queer. I figured out that I'm neither straight nor cisgender, and this completely reshaped my brain and for what it was primed for for Frozen 2. In today's episode, I am not attempting to prove that Elsa is or was ever written to be a lesbian or ace or any kind of queer, but I'm going to read Elsa, her journey, and her character development through a queer literary lens as an allegory for the experience of someone who's neither straight or cisgender. Right away in viewing Frozen, we can use the fact that she has magical powers to begin our reading. So often in media is magic used to be an allegory for queerness. You only need to look at Merlin, despite its egregious queer baiting, that everyone with magic is, like, obviously queer. <laughs> but jokes aside, magic as a concept is something about yourself that is unchangeable, but it's able to be hidden. This kind of discludes it from being a racial discrimination allegory, as race is generally something that you can't hide about yourself, however... Talking about white passing stuff is uh, another story. Magic can also be read as an allegory for mental illness. Um, and while the second movie totally focuses on that, this is a queer reading. So often magic can be read as queerness, as are they gay? So eloquently says in their Merlin video about that, that anyone with magic is gay, that magic is gay. But it's used in an allegory in the way that there's a really big shame around doing magic and People who do magic are uh, like excluded and face the death penalty and also face being the outsider, which is something that's really common within queer narratives, both real queer people and within Disney movies, um, the outsider narrative is really common, which makes it really easy for queer people to project themselves onto protagonists who are seen as outsiders, as well as villains. That is why we love villains so much. We see ourselves as outsiders. And therefore, other villains. That's a fun time. Um, also, villains, you know, you know. <laughs> but back to the idea of shame. This is really pervasive in Frozen. In the first movie, Elsa is told that her powers, read her queerness, is something that must be hidden, lest it hurt someone, lest everyone hate her for it and hurt her because of it. However, it's more out of her parents' fear, or rather the fear instilled in them, that they make her hide it. When she hurts her sister, this is where the metaphor gets loose, anytime she hits someone with her powers or actually hurts them, it gets a bit loose with the metaphor, but hear me out. The fear is instilled in them by society, or more specifically, the trolls, which I kind of think can be viewed as a metaphor for religion, or more specifically Christianity in this case. And of course not all religious groups are like this. I totally do not mean any disrespect towards that. But in terms of stereotypically, this is what I'm going with. They're instilling fear around this part of her that she can't really control and saying that it's bad and it will hurt everyone she will hurt everyone closest to her so it has to be erased from her sister's mind or else she'll be hurt and then they instill this fear in her that people will hurt her in the future and that she will hurt 
everyone she loves because of this, so it has to be something that she hides. And her parents go along with this. They don't want their daughter to be hurt, so it seems natural for them. So she's locked away in her room for years in isolation from any kind of support system. She has some support from her parents, but it's mainly about her repressing her feelings, repressing her powers, so that she doesn't hurt anyone. This repression, it just makes her powers grow stronger. It's the cycle of suppression. She's terrified of this thing inside her that gets stronger each passing day and she becomes more and more unable to suppress it. This keeps the cycle going. Her powers get stronger. She gets scared. She tries to repress them and her powers get stronger. This cycle of repression is extremely familiar to any queer person who's grown up in a hostile environment. This is the cycle of the internalized homophobia she's gotten from these trolls, from her parents and from society around her at large. It shows the dangers of internalized homophobia and repression and that it causes self-destruction. When her parents die, she is left alone with no one to help her, no one to guide her, and she's left alone with her thoughts. Her sister keeps trying to get to her, but she sits alone in her room, her powers, her feelings only growing stronger. She's terrified, especially for the coronation, when there are all these people in the in the castle that she could hurt with all these powers. And her sister, for the first time she hasn't seen in years, she's terrified of hurting those closest to her. There's also this narrative of her having to be the good girl. This is not necessarily something that her parents enforced upon her, specifically with those words. It's definitely something that Elsa has internalized. Um, and she definitely talks about that in all of her songs. She talks about feeling like she needs to be this good girl. And first time in forever when her sister's so excited about all this new stuff, all, all these new people, all these new experiences she's going to have, Elsa is terrified for the coronation and she sings, Don't let them in. Don't let them see. Be the good girl you always have to be. This is something that she definitely, definitely internalized from her parents. And this has kind of uh, given her some uh, massive trauma. As you know, being locked in your room for years for something that you can't control, and that gets worse the more anxious you are about it. Yeah, no, I think I think that would give anyone some some pretty high level trauma. Hmm, lovely. At the dance and the coronation, she is terrified of being outed. She keeps her gloves on as long as she can. These are the symbol of her repression here. And when she takes them off, she is terrified of being outed and puts them on as soon as she can. She gets closer to her sister here, but is still too afraid to be able to talk properly to her sister. When her powers explode out of her, she's forcibly outed to everyone and runs away to isolate for fear of being seen as the monster that she fears she is. The people who say out loud that she is a monster, Duke Whistleton, are then vessels of this homophobia. The people are scared, but this is only because they don't understand. They've never seen someone like this before, and Elsa herself doesn't truly understand at this point. She runs off to isolate herself once more, but this is a place where at least she can be herself. 
This is similar to what she already knows and is still out of fear of rejection, but she's gone where she cannot be rejected as no one can reach her. Let It Go is then a song about finding oneself and letting go of judgment, but also a song of relief that she can be herself for once. The good girl narrative continues. At the start of Let It Go, she berates herself for not being able to follow this this mantra she had for herself about being the good girl. She repeats what she sung earlier. Be the good girl you always have to be. This is something in Let It Go that she battles with. She's finally confronting these feelings within her and realizing how much they're affecting her and she starts to let it go. (laughs) She's finally letting these feelings out and expressing them in a sort of healthy way. I mean, not really because she ran away to isolate herself, but like she's not hurting anyone with how she's letting it out, letting it go. (laughs) So I, I guess, and she's reflecting on this the way that this has affected her and how she feels now. She's excited to try out her powers and to see what she can do with this thing that she's been hiding all this time. And the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. I'm free. And she feels empowered to finally have this thing about her let out into the world and just to be able to be herself finally. At the end of the song, she has finally come to terms with this and... She sings, That perfect girl is gone. She is no longer adhering to what her parents wanted from her, what other people wanted from her. She is entirely herself, all by herself. She is defying all of the expectations that were placed upon her from this internalized homophobia and letting go of all of it, sort of. When Anna comes to her castle to reach out to her to show that she still loves her and wants her to come back, Elsa sings, Yes, I'm alone, but I'm alone and free. She's still afraid of what this thing is and of what this thing in her can do to the ones she loves. She's afraid of hurting people still. She relishes in this new freedom she has, free from judgment, but she still has the fear that she will hurt the people she loves. And she does. She hurts Anna, and her worst fears come true. She's taken back to Arendelle and imprisoned. You can read this as sodomy laws, so being imprisoned for being gay. This was very common. They still exist to this day in a decent amount of countries. Less common today, which is very useful. At the end of the movie, where she can control her powers, she learns that... The power of love and acceptance can help her control these feelings and it's less controlling these feelings and it's expressing them. Finally, she's able to express herself and be accepted by people for who she truly is. And I'm just saying, like, isn't the power of love conquering all sort of like really gay? Because like this love is sort of like forbidden and all of that and it's looked down upon, but it being the 
thing that saves the day is just really empowering. This forbidden love, these forbidden feelings, and they are the thing that saves the day. It's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, you just need to look at Shira to know that gay love wins everything. I'm just saying. Like, I know that in Frozen it is not, like, gay love, but also it's, like, Elsa's ability to express her feelings is her showing her ability to express herself and who she is. So it's a little bit gay. Like, yeah, totally, it's about sisterly love, but the whole thing is that it's not a heterosexual romance that is saving the day, like, as per usual Disney movie, so, you know. <laughs> she finds a support network of people who love her for who she is, people she never gave a chance before. And this is sort of wibbly with the metaphor here, because, you know, you shouldn't have to get the people around you to accept you. It's not your job to get the people around you to accept you. It is entirely up to them whether they choose to accept you or not. You do not have to help them with the accepting process. You just need to be you. But she's finally in a place where she is accepted and loved for who she is. She was vulnerable and shared this part of her and people accepted her and she could finally be at peace with this part of herself. However, as we see at the start of the second movie, Elsa is not truly happy, despite her loving support system. She doesn't have people like her around her. There are people who will willingly listen and support her, but she still feels incomplete. She feels like a part of her is missing. She's beginning to question who she is and what this missing part of her is, once again. As someone who first came out as gay before realizing that I'm also non-binary, the feeling of being happy that you figured yourself out, but something still being missing is all too familiar, as well as a bit annoying. Elsa has this frustration there. In the line from Into the Unknown, I've had my adventure, I don't need something new. I'm afraid of what I'm risking if I follow you. She sings about the frustration of having found herself and having found people who love and support her, but being afraid of risking the support of them if they knew she was questioning her gender too. Throughout the course of the song, though, she begins to call out to the voice, searching for the answer, asking the question anyway because it will kill her not to know. This is an all-too-familiar experience. She runs out in search of the voice, reaching out for whatever resources she can find about this. This can be read as searching on the internet, using resources such as YouTube and queer groups and Tumblr. I used a lot of Tumblr when I was trying to figure myself out. This is the process of searching for information. And this is the whole movie, really, trying to figure herself out. She sings... Every day's a little harder as I feel my power grow. Don't you know there's part of me that longs to go? She's once again feeling a build-up of these questions inside her, wondering what they mean and what it would mean for her life to seek out the truth. But she still longs for it. Throughout the movie, she finds out more about herself and what she can do as a person. But there's still that voice in the back of her mind asking the question, calling to her true self. The North Aldra people can be seen as being queer or found family, potentially as 
out queer people already who have opened these new avenues for self-exploration to her. Once she gets to Otterholen, she is now closer than ever to her true self. Through the song Show Yourself, we see her come to terms with everything about herself, finally becoming her true form. I mean, come on, the whole song is a queer self-acceptance and realization anthem. How have we not seen this yet? Like, especially for trans and non-binary people. The line, You are the one you've been waiting for All of my life Oh, show yourself Is such a raw line. Especially as a queer person. Finally being able to find who you are and put a name on it holds so much joy and relief. No wonder both me and Elsa were crying when we heard it. When I finally got to send off the papers to get my name legally changed, I played Show Yourself and sobbed. <laughs> because I got to be who I've been waiting for my whole life. I know who I am and the wait is over. I'm me now. Her mother singing in the song can be read as both the voice within her finding who she truly is, or as elder queers, helping the young queers along. But either way, it is so raw and powerful. Elsa choosing to stay with the Northaldra people at the end of the movie is then sort of representative of this idea of chosen family that is so common amongst queer people. When your family is not accepting of who you are, it's only natural to go to friends and see them as closer than family. People who accept you for who you are, no matter what, who love you unconditionally in a way that your biological family never did or could. This is a little bit shaky considering the North Ultra people are technically related to Elsa, but that's, that's a minor detail. It represents her choosing to stay in a place where she will be happy, where she can truly be who she is all of the time. She's not seen as someone who is sort of normal and stays with the normal people, but just has these sort of quirky things about her. She is within people who know how it feels to be like she is, who have similar experiences, who know the world in the way that she does. And that's so powerful for queer people to have. Because having straight friends is great. Having cis friends is great. But the experience of being around queer people, people like you, especially if you're not cis, just feeling immediately understood. You don't have to explain anything. You share experiences. That has been so valuable for me. And I know for so many others. Having a place to commune, to be ourselves together where we're not alone, is so powerful and so liberating. Representation for queer people is so valuable. Being able to see someone go through the same struggles as you and come out on the other side, pun absolutely intended, with a support network, with people like you, and being able to say confidently that you know who you are is so important for kids to see. That you can be yourself and be happy. I know it's really important for me right now to see older queer people having families and having successful, 
happy lives. Because as a younger teen, I found it so hard to imagine having a normal life, especially as a non-binary person. I just don't see any representation for that. And it's really hard to imagine yourself having this happiness, this thing that you want, when you can't see people like you having that. And so the representation of that really matters. It's so so important to see people like you on the screen or in pages, able to be happy and able to be loved while still remaining themselves. It's especially important for kids and. Teenagers to see this, to know that they have a future, they have a future where they can be happy. For today's Creator Spotlight, I want to highlight a YouTuber called James Summerton. He is a queer YouTuber who has done so many videos, deep dives, really deep dives into queer history, especially within film. The way that queer people are portrayed, and specifically has done a video called "Evil Queens: A Gay Look at Disney History," which I found really interesting, and I've sort of used as the inspiration for this episode, as well as a bunch of other ones. But I just wanted to highlight him specifically. He has such good research and knowledge,、uh, and there's a lot of queer history on there as well, which is really useful and really important because so much of our history is buried. Because of erasure from history, because of people being homophobic, we love it. We super duper love it. He's also done a video about a history of LGBT representation in horror movies and horror cinema, which I am terrified of horror movies. But it's I respect them for their ability to portray a society at the times, cultural general fears. And I respect that f- them for that. And、uh, yeah, gay people were a part of the cultural fear at some point. So there's、uh, lots of、uh, things about that in horror cinema. T、mm. <laughs> love that. But that is all for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out at stride.with.pride on Instagram. We also have a Facebook page. It's just Stride with Pride. Check out those for a little sneak peek of the episode coming out each week. A little snippet of it, and you can also contribute your own ideas for what you want me to cover on this podcast here, and also contribute to little、uh, story polls and things like that, where you can contribute your own little answers for the chance to be featured in an episode. So how about that? You are valued. You are loved. You bring light to this world. See you next time, and don't forget to spread your joy. Bye. For more episodes, use the AccessMedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand on air.